Thanks for tuning in to the Change Church Podcast. We believe change is more than a church. It's a culture. And we are living out our purpose so that others can find theirs. We hope that this message encourages and inspires you. Now, here's Pastor Elijah Hollis. The Jesus you never knew. I don't know about you, but I grew up in church. And so I was one of those kids that went to Sunday school. And they had the flannel graph. Y'all remember that? Anybody else go to Sunday school with the, the flannel characters that go on the mat? You know, and you had Goliath, and he was really big, and you had little David, you know, right there. Then you had the stone flannel that moved towards Goliath and Goliath, you know? That's what I grew up with. And, and Jesus was always this correctly permed, beautiful hair. And this amazing person that held sheep a lot, and he had a great beard. I mean, just a beard you could look up to as a man. And he's always, you know, no wrinkles in his robe. He's just an amazing, a perfect picture of Jesus. I think sometimes we grow up with this, this view on Jesus, or maybe even you didn't grow up in the church, and you have this perspective of Jesus uh, that might not be full, and it might not be full circle of who he is. And I just want to talk to this because this month we're going to be breaking down who Jesus is and the fullness of what he was, what he cared about, what he hated, what he loved, what he prayed for, what he flipped. I mean, this, this dude was on fire. But if you don't truly know who he was, you can't fully know how to live yourself. Because if you don't know who you're following, if you don't understand all that he cared about, that we don't know truly how to really fully come alive in following him. And so I just want to dive into a couple aspects of Jesus that I love. It's some of the, the scriptures and stories in the Bible that really paint a picture of Jesus. And he's the one that we're all basing this on. So we need to know him. Amen? We're basing this whole thing on Jesus. And we always talk about it in the name of Jesus, the powerful name of Jesus. So you have to know who you're following. So today, I've entitled today, The Jesus That Ate With Sinners. The Jesus That Ate With Sinners. If you would stand to your feet, I want to read God's word today in honoring of his word. Let's stand. And it's uh, found in Mark, the gospel of Mark, chapter 2, verse 13. We're going to be reading uh, from the NIV translation today. But verse 13 says, once again, Jesus went out beside the lake. A large crowd came to him, and he began to teach them. As he walked along, he saw Levi, son of Alphaeus, sitting at the tax collector's booth. Follow me, Jesus told him. And Levi got up and followed him. While Jesus was having dinner at Levi's house, Many tax collectors and sinners were eating with him and his disciples, for there were many who followed him. When the teachers of the law who were Pharisees saw him eating with the sinners and tax collectors, they asked his disciples, why does he eat with tax collectors and sinners? On hearing this, Jesus said to them, it is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners. God, we love you, and we love your word. 
We know that it changes us from the inside out. It's the only book that reads us. And so, God, today as we dive in to your word and what you want to speak to us, I pray that we would be open to hear what you have to say and to change anything in our lives to get in alignment with what you have for us. We love you, Father, in your name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. I want to look at this story of Jesus, and this is one of those, uh, those moments where we see another side of him, not the side that's holding sheep and not the side that's always preaching the word, but this is a different side of Jesus. Now, you have to understand the context of this story. Jesus had just come from one of the coolest miracles, I think, because of the way it went about, um, but it was where he was preaching in the house and the place was packed because Jesus' name was getting out. And he's becoming one of those household names where it's like, Jesus is coming to town. It was like, oh, my word, no stinking way. We got to get there because it's going to be good. Because he was known for his miracles. He was known for preaching a word that, like, blew your mind. He was known for it. And so the house was packed, and, and uh, their friends brought the paralyzed man there. You remember this story? And they couldn't get in. They couldn't get to Jesus. And so they cut a hole in the roof and lowered him down, Right? And Jesus heals the man right there. It's epic. So he's coming from that meeting, right? He was doing that incredible outreach revival, whatever you want to call it, and just uh, having a, a good old time. And uh, he was walking by the lake. So he's in Capernaum, and he's walking now. And, and he said, once again, Jesus went beside the lake. A large crowd came to him. So again, here we go. We find Jesus with another crowd, another opportunity, another reason to get his groove on, and then it says he began to teach. So in the middle of teaching, in the middle of doing what he did, of being in the the zone of ministry, it says he was walking along and he saw Levi. He saw Levi. I think it's crazy that Jesus, you know, in the middle of, of doing ministry, and in the middle of touching thousands upon thousands of people, stopped and noticed one man. Does that blow your mind a little bit? Is that in the middle of this amazing miracle that he just had, and, and in the middle of now preaching to another crowd that had come to him, it says he stopped and he saw Levi. He was in the middle of something, and yet he saw Levi. Not a little about you, but I am not always looking for Levi. I'm not always looking for opportunity. In fact, sometimes I get so caught up in me that I miss Levi. You ever get caught up in you? Anybody else? I get caught up in me. I got a to-do list, you know. I got my day planned out. I got my, my job. I got my, my, my things that I have in priority in, right. I'm thinking about a lot of things. And in Jesus, in the middle of his thing, all of a sudden he stops and he sees Levi. I think this is very interesting because, you know, sometimes we can get so caught up in what we do that, that we miss out on the Levi's that are all around us. And it's incredible that in the middle of what he was doing in ministry, he saw somebody that took his notice. 
And I think that's insane that, that he took hold of that opportunity. The opportunity in the room. The Levi. But Jesus saw. He saw. And he's calling us to do the same thing in our lives. There are moments where I feel like, uh, it's just talking about myself here, there are moments where, you know, I can get caught up in something and be so caught up, and then I'll have a, a check in my spirit where it's like, oh, my word, you are so busy, you miss that opportunity to love somebody. You miss that opportunity for that person to come into your life. And I want to I really pinpoint this, this story and, and highlight it today because I feel like Jesus showed us all how to be Christians. And he showed us all how to do it in the middle of chaos. Because if we read this differently, and we read it to where it was, hey, Jesus was taking a Sabbath, and he was chilling, and he had nothing going on, and he was just strolling. He was singing his favorite worship chorus, and in the middle of resting, he saw Levi, and so he took notice. But isn't it great that the Bible paints this picture of Jesus that's busy with a crowd all around him calling for his attention? How many feel like you're ever pulled in several different locations all at once? How many have kids? I only have two, and that's enough to be pulled in several different locations at one time. Because Ane needs something and Zion needs something at the same time, you know? And then you got things in, in your work that's pulling for your attention. And Jesus, in the middle of chaos, in the middle of his ministry, what he was called to do, he saw Levi. Man, there's power in what we see. Y'all know that? There's power in what we see. And he saw, Jesus saw. And he's calling us to do the same. Now, we, we have this core value at change where we say, relationship over regimen, right? And what that simply means is that we put priority on relationships because it's all about relationships, right? Regimen is super important, but relationship over, overpowers it every time. And it's something you have to like put as a value because in today's society, we are praised for being busy. I mean, it's like status. Yo, how you doing? Busy. Y'all, I'm busy. I got lots going on. Man, I got so much. I can't even keep up with it. It's like, wow, man, you're on your grind. You're killing it, right? It's like we praise being busy. It's the regimen. Now, now the other side of it, because I've heard this too, where it's like, oh, we all just need to rest in the Father. If we'd all just rest in him, we'd have so much more opportunity to minister. And I don't, I don't think it's either or. I don't think it's regimen or relationship. It's not one in place of the other. It's one over the other. Because regimen was Jesus every day plugging into his father, getting that relationship, being full of him, so that he could go then and spill out on others. Go town to town. People would gather, and he would do his thing. He would preach God's word. He would minister to the sick. He would heal the broken. And that was the regimen. But in the middle of regimen, relationship always took priority. Always. 
Because we see it right here. He was ministering in the house. The man was lowered. Relationship over his three-point sermon. He was in the middle of ministering to the crowd that was gathering around him. And in the middle of that, he saw Levi. Because it was relationship over regimen. And it's not relationship only. It's relationship over regimen. Now, see, this isn't, this isn't so significant that he saw Levi until you get a little context of who Levi was. So it says, and, and it keeps going in, in that verse, verse 14, it says, He saw Levi, son of Alphaeus, sitting at the tax collector's booth. Now, Levi was a tax collector. Now, today, you know, it doesn't mean very much. But back then, they were the scoundrels of the city. I mean, they were the people that everybody looked down upon because it was all about cheating to get ahead. And it was all about excess and taking that which wasn't yours. And so tax collectors were known as thieves, liars. So when you say that Jesus was in the middle of everybody that was craving his words, craving what he had to say, he's ministering and healing and in the middle of that, he sees this man that's been a thief and a crook and a liar, and Jesus stops for him. What? Jesus, you got hundreds of people needing you, wanting you, saying, Jesus, just give us a word. Jesus, we've walked all these miles for you. And yet Jesus stops for the one that everybody else probably counted out. Aren't you so thankful that Jesus doesn't just look at current circumstance, but he looks at created destiny? Come on. Jesus does not just look at the current situation. He does not look at your current state of mind. He doesn't just look at the current, oh, that's who he is. He looks at what was created, what's down deeper. He looked at Levi, and he saw past the greed. He saw into the one of the men who's going to write a gospel to give one of the greatest gifts to all men, kind of a picture of Jesus. He saw Levi. He saw Levi. It was huge because Jesus always sees opportunity where others see impossibilities. Aren't you thankful that Jesus saw possibility in you? And I'm so thankful that Jesus saw something in me when I didn't see it in myself. I'm so thankful that he didn't give up on me when I gave up on myself. I'm so thankful that he found me in one of the darkest moments of my life and raised me up so I could live out my purpose. I'm so thankful. And I believe that Jesus is calling us to step into that life of seeing what he sees. See, what would happen, what would happen in this room today if we truly meant it and prayed a prayer? Say, God, show me what you see. What would happen to the way you live life? What would happen to your daily routine and what you put on your checklist of things to do? What would change if all of a sudden you saw what Jesus saw? 
And everywhere you went, you saw opportunity. I don't know about you. I miss opportunity all the time. I don't always view, and I'll, I'll just be transparent with you, okay? This is pastor transparency time with Pastor Elijah, okay? So, hi, I'm Elijah Hollis. And not every time that I get into an Uber do I see the Uber driver as an opportunity to love and serve him to Jesus. I don't. I don't. I, I want to say majority of the time I do, but not every time. And I, I, hi, I'm Elijah Hollis, and I just want to confess today that there are a lot of times I'll be out at a restaurant, and I will see the waiter or waitress's bad attitude as something that is an obstacle of me having a good time at the restaurant and not an opportunity for me to love and serve them to Jesus' love. I'll totally confess it. There are a lot of times, I'll just be really real, there are a lot of times where if someone with a bad attitude comes into my life, I will see them as a barrier to get around so that I can get back to being progressive and furthering the kingdom of God. (laughs) Do you still love me? Because there are times where I don't see Levi. I don't see him. I see what I have to do. I see my life. I get caught up. And maybe, just maybe, while I'm walking around the lake again, and people are gathering around, and I'm doing what I do. I'm doing my regimen, because we got to do our regimen. When I'm doing what I do, and all of a sudden, God gives me a Levi, and I miss it. But what would happen today if we prayed that prayer to say, God, give us your eyes, where we see, we see opportunity, where others might see impossibility. It's like rotting bananas. So when I look at rotting bananas, I say, let's throw these things out. They're browning. They're gross. No one wants to eat them or look at them. When my wife looks at rotting bananas, she sees opportunity. She says, hey, let's make some banana Nutella bread. Because these are great. She sees opportunity where I see impossibility. And if we're up to me, the bananas will be cut out. But if we're up to her, there's a purpose for those even beyond what I can see. God, give us your eyes to see the possibility. That when we step into someone's situation, because how many know that God doesn't call you to the people who have it all together, right? And that's what I want to get to in this, this thing because the Pharisees didn't even understand this because Jesus saw Levi. In fact, he said, follow me, he told Levi. Follow me, in verse 15. Jesus told him, and, and Levi got up and followed him. While Jesus was having dinner at Levi's house, now he's in his house, many tax collectors, oh, snap. They're having a party. And Jesus is the host. He's the main event. woo He went from church to a party. Oh, snap. Let's keep reading. 
It says, many tax collectors and sinners were eating with him and his disciples, for there were many who followed him. Now, I, we find Jesus here not in a place that I always picture him. When I pray to Jesus, I picture that, you know, the loving one with the beard and the perm and the sheep. I picture that Jesus. I picture the all-powerful sitting on his throne. I don't picture Jesus having a party with the scoundrels. Do you? I don't picture Jesus sitting around the table with those who are literally living for something opposite of what he's living for. But this is where we find Jesus. We find him sitting around the table of those who need him the most. We find Jesus obsessed with his mission. He was obsessed with it. In fact, he was so obsessed with it that he stopped what he was doing in order to pursue it. What would happen if we flipped it and we were living our regimen life, right? Because you have to go to work. You got to do your things, right? You got you to pay the bills. You got to do your family things. You gotta, we're building a church here. We got to do our things. We got to show up every week, 7 o'clock, set it up. We get things ready so that God can move. But what if we were doing that waiting for the opportunity to show up? What if we flip things? And at work, you were just getting your things done and looking for ways to spread God's love to those around you. What if you went to dinner at your restaurant that, you're, uh, that you love, you know, that one, the Dandelion? Have you ever been there? It's incredible. I love it. Thank you, Anthony and Rachel, for showing me the way. But jumped into the Dandelion. What if you went to Dandelion saying, we're going to have a meal, but we're waiting for an opportunity to see Levi? What would happen if we flipped our, our perspective? We said, yes, we got to do this. Yes, we got to do life. We got to plug away at it. But we're looking for Levi. Where's Levi? Where's the opportunity? Where is the opportunity? It's like Zion. He's obsessed with sports. I love that kid. I am not obsessed with sports. And so it didn't get passed down from me. So, you know, not all the times can I answer all of his questions. So he'll ask, you know, where's the, you know, how are the 76ers done standing? I'm like, Siri, where are the 76ers in the standing? I don't know. And so everywhere he goes, he's looking for it. Every TV that's on, he's like, is that the game? Oh, i got to check the game. And he's every person that he knows is into sports, oh, man, Barry, he runs our production here. He's cornering Barry. Barry, tell me, what are the stats? What's going on? What's going on with the 76? What's going on with the Eagles? you got to let me know. What's happening with all the people on there? He wants to know. Every time we're on the phone with my father-in-law, he's like, hey, can I talk to Poppy? You know what he's going to talk about. He's going to ask him, hey, Poppy, what's going on on ESPN? What's going on? What's going on with the sports? He's obsessed with the mission. What would happen if we became like that? Where everywhere we go, we're like, Where's Levi? Where's Levi? Y'all have seen Levi? Do you know anybody who's broken? Because the Pharisees then, they said, when the teachers of the law, the ones who were religious, the ones who had it all together, the ones who were in the church, doing God's work, the ones, the ones who were following after religion said, saw him eating with sinners and said to his disciples, why does he eat with tax collectors and sinners? On hearing this, Jesus didn't even let the disciples answer. He said, hey, hold on. I'll take this one. He said, 
I'll hear this. Jesus said, it is not the healthy who need a doctor. Duh. But how many of us get that wrong? I know I do. I wait for the people who are hungry. I wait for the people who are like, I just, oh, I don't know what it is, but I've just been searching for a church. I've been searching for an ant. You know, I'm like, oh, perfect opportunity. God wants to, yep, let's talk. Sometimes I don't see the opposite as an opportunity. But Jesus, the beast that he was, chased the opportunities. And he said, it's not the, the healthy who need a doctor. It's the sick. He said, I've not come to call the righteous, but sinners. See, those on the inside, they place such high priority on place. Well, Jesus, why are you with sinners? Well, Jesus, you're at his house? Don't you know? That is forbidden for us Christians. That does not look Christ-like to be with them. It is this whole perspective of place. But Jesus understood something. It wasn't about the place. It wasn't about the space. It wasn't about the, the sacred, holy ground. It was all about the presence that was in the place. It was always about what he brought to the space. And if we fully grasp what we have inside of us, the presence of Jesus. When you understand that what's in you is the answer to what's around you, you start to realize, I have something to share. And it doesn't matter where I'm at. doesn't matter where I go. I have something in me that needs to get out. I have something in me that needs to be poured out. And Jesus painted this amazing picture because his presence changed the atmosphere. Everywhere he went, his presence changed it. Everywhere he went, he saw possibility. He saw opportunity. And it wasn't the place. It wasn't that he got to Levi's house and he said, oh, Levi, you must have blessed this place with oil. You must have had a prayer meeting in this space because this is very holy in here. No, no, no. Levi's house was a place where they were probably talking about money and how much they stole, how much they won. All the greed was in that space, but Jesus brought with him a presence. And the Bible says that where light is, it casts out all darkness. So where we go, darkness has to flee. There was no debate when we turn on these lights. The darkness didn't say, I don't know if I want to leave today. When light came on, darkness had to leave. There was no question about it. But it's us realizing what's inside of us. I love Isaiah 60, and we read it as a team today. But it says, um, Arise and shine, for your light has come. The glory of the Lord rises upon you. It says darkness covers the earth. See thick darkness over its peoples, but the glory of the Lord rises upon you. It doesn't matter where you go. Because I hear a lot of people like, oh, it's my job. I can't work under those circumstances. Well, I can't love my boss, you know, blah, blah, blah. Loch Ness Monster and my boss, they're like cousins, you know. It's like, it's not happening. You know, if you knew, if you knew, if you knew the situation, can I tell you that Jesus already showed us it's not about the place. It's about what's inside of you. Because we are, we are the prescription. Yo, would you grab a prescription bottle?
on your table? I got these today because I thought it'd be cool. Um, number one, to know who you are, to know what's inside of you. But number two, to have opportunity to spread the love, spread what Jesus has done in our lives. I want to take a moment today and just uh, bless those things, but, but pray that God would empower us to spread his love. How many know that everywhere we go, we don't have to have the answer, right? I think so many times we get caught up in what the answer is. Anybody else get confused about what the answer is? And maybe, you know, we overthink things. So, like, even the coffee cart, when we first take, took it out, we're like, our, our team was asking us, like, what do we say? Well, what if they ask, well, what if this question pops? You know, what? what and, and we had to talk through it as a team. Hey, what is the answer? If you get in a debate and you're talking to somebody over lunch and you start loving on the, the waiter and you start saying, hey, God loves you, Jesus loves you, and then all of a sudden he brings all these questions, what are you going to do? Well, what's the answer? You know what the answer is? To love and to serve. That's what Jesus did every time. He loved and he served. He showed them the Father's heart. And as long as we get that right, you're good. Drop all debate. Drop all arguments. It's not about that. If you could just carry his heart for people. And sometimes I'll even tell people, I'm not sure. I can study that for you. All I know is that he's obsessed with you. All I know is that he loves you so much. You're his son. You're his daughter. He cares deeply about you. At Change Church, we believe in doing life together. If you want to connect with us, you can visit us online at thisischange.org or any social media platform at thisischangephl. Thanks for joining us and have an amazing week.